Welcome to my homestead, y'all. I'm your host, Jenny Veliki, also known as the Funky Farm Girl. I'm working to create a home with a little farm, a little faith, a lot of food, and a bit of funky. I'm learning all about growing and preserving our food supply, raising chickens and children, and becoming more self-sufficient while leaning hard on Jesus. And I want to take you along for the ride. So grab yourself a cup of something wonderful, and let's visit a while. Hey y'all, this is the Funky Farm Girl and you're listening to episode 22, Anyone Can Homestead. Welcome back. This is Jenny Veliki and I am the Funky Farm Girl. I'm so glad that you're here with me this week. This is an episode that I'm really excited about sharing with you guys because this um, reveals a dirty little secret of mine and also just really encourages you that anyone can homestead but before we get into the episode and to my dirty little secret let's start with what's going on on the homestead Um, this is a new little feature that I have that's just a little weekly update of all the things that we're doing around the funky farmhouse so let's get started this week we are picking up another chicken coop for some Polish chicks that were born today so sometime in the next seven days before my next recording hopefully I will have picked up the coop and will have picked up the chicks and we will be on our way to starting with some Polish chicks these chicks are part of a project that Gracie is doing my oldest daughter Um, she wants to get into breeding and incubating eggs Um, and selling raised chicks and pullets and roosters next spring and so we are starting with some Easter egg or black copper marine mixed chicks that we already have we have two hens and what we believe at the moment is possibly two roosters Uh, but one of those roosters we're not quite sure um, if it's a boy or a girl yet Uh, leaning more towards the rooster Um, but we also are going to be getting probably about a half dozen of these Polish chicks with the expectation that these will either be bred and or sold in the spring we I've also been dealing with a worm infestation in my melon patch and so pretty much every cantaloupe and kajari melon that I had growing on the vine that was beginning to produce and do well has been infested with these little worms and so they are burrowing little holes in my melons and eating them and causing them to start to decompose before they even get completely ripe and because I also have loofah growing there I believe I'm going to go ahead and pull out all of that Um, in the next couple days and go ahead and plant some of my other fall crops that I've been waiting a little bit longer to plant like my kohlrabi and my kale and the collard greens and turnip greens and things like that so I may go ahead and get that underway and leave the loofah in the back to continue growing right now I have three loofah gourd 
and I'm very excited to see how those do when it comes time to harvest. So let's get into this week's episode. This week we're talking about Anyone Can Homestead. I want to shout out my friend Rosanna for giving me the topic for this week. Um, She lives in the city and she says, how can I homestead right where I am? She's been inspired by the podcast and she wants to know more about what she can do right where she is. And really that is a passion of mine that I really hope to begin to develop more content for as we go through this um, podcast. So I hope you'll continue to stay tuned for specific episodes that will tackle each of these little things that we'll talk about today. But I was really excited to get her topic idea because I feel like that this is something that a lot of people that I know would say, Jenny, it's great that you live in the country. It's great that you have land and that you are able to do all the things you're doing. But I live in a neighborhood. I live in the city. I live in an apartment. I live with an HOA. And so some of these things can be barriers and hindrances but none of them are enough to really exclude you from the homesteading lifestyle and right about now is when I'm going to reveal my dirty little secret and that is we live in a neighborhood you heard that right I don't have a gigantic homestead I don't have a ton of land I don't live on a giant farm I'm on just under three quarters of an acre in a neighborhood in rural North Carolina. Now, this neighborhood has about 30 homes. All of them have yards about the size of mine or bigger. Uh, I think the largest yard is about an acre and a half. Um, But those 30-ish houses are anywhere from three quarters to an acre and a half of land. And um, they are very spread out. We are the only ones in our neighborhood who have any kind of chickens or big garden or anything like that. There are a few neighbors that have a small little garden, um, but we were the first to have chickens in here. And so it feels a little crazy um, to be talking to you about homesteading when I live in a neighborhood. So I want you to know that a lot of these things were things that I had to overcome myself um, even before we moved here. A lot of the things that I learned and started to do were things that I did in a cookie cutter house in a cookie cutter neighborhood in the suburbs on 0.17 acres of land with virtually no backyard. And so I want to encourage you that yes, you can homestead right where you are today you can begin a homesteading lifestyle and because it is really more about a lifestyle and perspective shift and not about a location anyone can homestead no matter if they live in the city in a neighborhood in an apartment or in the country on a lot of land so homesteading is a producer focused lifestyle versus a consumer focused lifestyle and what that basically means is you're focused on being as self-sufficient as you can in your current circumstances so for us that means we have the land and the space to raise chickens 
so that we can harvest eggs from them. We don't quite have enough space to really do meat birds well because we don't have the ability to move them from place to place and give them different pasture to feed on and grow and have all the space that they would need. And so that's something we've decided not to do right now. But we can grow gardens, we can grow food and herbs and flowers, and we can grow chickens who will produce eggs for us. And so we are doing all that we can do with the circumstances that we have. We are producing food and we are producing eggs and and chickens. Um, come this spring, we'll be producing chickens that we can sell to other people who would like to homestead. And we'll be able to produce eggs and hatch those and sell chicks or pullets or whatever and so that will be one small way that we will expand our homestead we're also looking into my daughter georgia beginning to raise rabbits and that we can do for meat we can do for pets we can raise them and collect the poop and sell the poop and so she's going to be adding to our little homestead in that way come this spring so really focusing on producing not consuming so growing food instead of buying processed food experiencing things instead of buying more stuff and learning old-fashioned skills rather than buying something ready-made or buying something already done or a prefab or whatever learning the skills it takes to create that so How can you do those things no matter where you are? Let's break this down into some simple action steps. Number one, grow some food. You can begin by eliminating processed foods from your diet. And basically for us, we started with increasing the amount of fruits and vegetables we were eating and decreasing the amount of boxed pasta meals or rice or those types of things that we were eating we cut those back and then the, when we did have that we had that from pasta sauce we had made ourselves versus buying it pre-made in a jar we did it with seasoning rice that we bought in bigger bags rather than a pre-pack mix that came in a cardboard box um simple things like that at first Um, we are still working on creating our own dressings and condiments that's where my focus currently is in eliminating processed foods because we do still have um, probably about 20 percent processed foods in our house but there are lots and lots of ways that you can begin to do that and and I really encourage you to do it in baby steps take one thing at a time Think about breakfast. What could you do for breakfast that would eliminate processed foods? Maybe your kids are used to Fruit Loops. What could you teach them to like and begin to, to feed them differently? That would be more whole foods and homegrown things rather than processed food. So one example, one step is to begin to eliminate processed foods. Another thing is to learn to cook from scratch. And that goes hand in hand because 
it's it's not a matter of let's take away all these things but they need to be replaced with something and the more your family is exposed to whole good food and the more they experience that the more they will crave that over the processed foods and then another small step that you can do is to start a garden and if you're like me uh, in our previous home we like I said we lived on 0.17 acres in a cookie cutter house in a cookie cutter neighborhood with virtually no backyard the yard that we had was very very sandy rocky soil that was very very hard nothing grew there even grass and it was very difficult to get anything to grow there however even in those conditions there are things that you can do um, you can do an in-ground garden if you have good good soil for example where we live now used to be a cow pasture and so this is very very rich fertile soil and uh, we've had no problem getting things to grow no problem working the soil and preparing it to plant but if you don't have that you can always build a raised bed and you can put um, dirt that is high quality and the type that will help your plants to flourish and you can mix that with compost and peat moss and all those types of things to really create some really really healthy soil and you can grow that on top of the dirt in your yard uh, and over time that will begin to transform the dirt underneath it as well you can also if you have a small yard you can go vertical to save space you can do trellises you can do um, growing upwards on arches or fences or things like that look around your yard and think about all the different places where you could go up with something I grew quite a lot of cucumbers this year on a small four-foot piece of fence um, front and back and a little bit in front of that with another row and I had more cucumbers than I could possibly deal with um, so it can be done if you think strategically about placement and you think strategically about where can you build up rather than out another thing to consider would be containers and grow bags grow bags are basically a fabric type bag that you fill with soil and then grow things in it it's almost like a portable um, raised bed because at the end of the year you can dump that dirt out move it wherever you want to and put dirt back in it and do it again um, so grow bags are really a good way to go if you don't have space for a raised bed or you could do containers and those there are lots and lots of plants that um, contain container varieties you can grow bush beans instead of pole beans you can grow um, we grew a type of cherry tomato that was on a small bush rather than a big tall thing this year um, so there's lots of different things that you can grow that don't need a whole whole lot of space and would do well in a container just be sure that you have good quality 
soil in those containers that you have proper drainage and those types of things and again this is stuff that we can get into more in future episodes um, to help you really equip you to garden well in a smaller space you can also use containers for herbs and flowers to bring in pollinators um, and those herbs can be brought inside in the winter time and kept on your kitchen windowsill and things like that to where you're extending your growing season and um, there's lots and lots of things you can do with containers that would expand the amount of growing potential that you have in an apartment balcony or um, in a neighborhood with a small yard also consider edible landscaping there are a lot of beautiful beautiful plants that produce vegetables Um, there's a particular curly kale that is deep purple that would be a beautiful landscape border Um, there's lots of different sweet peas when they grow up the vine look beautiful with all their pea blossom flowers they would be great growing on the fence um, along the side of your yard Um, just think through and google the types of things that you would want to grow and see what they look like these are especially beneficial when it comes to things like herbs Um, those do really really well in landscaping for edible landscapes Um, and also even don't don't even think in terms of specifically food based but what are beneficial flowers that you could plant for example I have a hibiscus bush right by my front door steps and it's a beautiful beautiful bush and it produces beautiful flowers and then I can take the calyx off of those flowers and dry those and make tea and use that tea through the winter Um, so even something like that or chamomile calendula those types of things can be used to make herbal teas and salves and ointments and tinctures and all kinds of things like that so don't just think in terms of food but what other things could you be growing with herbs and flowers that also would look beautiful in your landscaping and again I encourage you go google edible landscapes go on Pinterest and get tons and tons of ideas of different things that look beautiful and also can feed or provide for your family in a certain way and then I encourage you even through the winter you can grow microgreens and herbs in your kitchen Um, microgreens are super easy to grow they either will grow in a jar or on a mat and it's a very inexpensive thing to begin doing and those greens will look a lot like you may see like um, alfalfa greens alfalfa sprouts in the grocery store and they will look very similar to those but you can get those in radish and broccoli and um, alfalfa and all different types and they are nutrient dense foods you can add them to salads you can put them on sandwiches 
Um, you can do a lot of things with those. You can add them to smoothies. Um, but that's a way to add in nutrient-dense food that your family's eating that you've grown yourself. And that's something that can be grown year-round in your kitchen right there on your countertop. And then think about herbs that do well indoors and have those in different places to decorate your house and to um, provide useful food as well as beautifying your home and bringing the outdoors in. And then for food that you can't grow yourself, look into buying local and in-season and really begin to try to focus on eating local food and in-season food. Um, Do I think it's sustainable to completely replace your grocery store with local farms? Uh, Probably not, but you can put a big dent in it a lot bigger than you think. Um, Also, I really encourage you to look for farms that do bulk sales. For example, we have two different farms close to us that sell canning tomatoes by the 25-pound box. So I went and got a 25-pound box of tomatoes, and I processed those, and I made it into plain tomato sauce. And I was able to water bath can that and put it away. Um, in my canning closet for the winter and this doesn't even have to be stuff that you find at the farm you can find for example I was in my local grocery store one day and walked by the the cart that they have that they will put ripe produce in bags and mark it down or bruised things or things like that I always check that place when I'm in the grocery store And this particular day, they had tons and tons of peaches. And I took those peaches home and I peeled them and chopped them. And I made jam from those peaches. And that has been some of the best jam we have had um, all season. And that's a quick and easy way to do something with food that you didn't grow. But you're still producing something for your family to eat and use the rest of the year. So be aware of what's in season buy those things in bulk when you can and preserve them and hang on to them for the winter months and that will get into some of our old-fashioned skills later in the podcast so number one we want to grow food in whatever way we can um, in whatever scale that we're able to do utilizing all the spaces and all the different ways that we can grow food Number two, we want to clear away stuff and value experiencing life. You can choose in life to be a stuff manager or a life manager. And I decided several years ago that I would much rather manage a life of interests than a a house of stuff. And so we have, over the years, continued to pare down I thought the first time around that we got when we got rid of over half of our stuff that 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 was it that I had reached the level that was was comfortable and was manageable for us but we continue to to purge and to pull things out and to minimize even more and that does not mean that we have a spare home we absolutely do not we have three girls and so that and they are all in preteen to teen years and you know girls 
have lots of stuff. Um, so it has made our home easier to manage because they've learned to value the things that they have and to to only keep the things that really really matter and so that has helped they are still learning they are definitely not there at all Um, but we are teaching them to value people and experiences over things and really as you get into a homesteading lifestyle and you begin to do things the old-fashioned way and you begin to do things the low and slow way rather than the fast and um, consumer way it takes time and it takes energy and when you're having to choose between cleaning your house or weeding your garden um, you really want that house to be as maintenance free as possible so that you're able to spend more of your time on your homestead doing your homesteading things and so to me having my house as close to autopilot as I can get it is a really big part of this um, people who homestead value simple living and so they want simple possessions um, keeping in mind that everything that you own requires some type of maintenance whether it be clothes that need to be washed and folded and put away and switched out seasonally or whether it be dishes that even if you only use them at Christmas have to be brought out and washed and used and stacked and packed and put away until the next year Um, anything like that um, requires some type of maintenance so anytime you're about to purchase something think to yourself what work is this going to cost me and is that what I would like to be doing with my life is that how I want to be spending my time and really Um, embracing a simple life begins with simple possessions and when your possessions are simple then your focus isn't on your stuff it's on what you're doing and it's on the people around you and the things that you're experiencing and that really doesn't require a lot of things so number two clear away the stuff and value experiencing life Number three way that anybody can homestead is to learn old-fashioned skills. Homesteading, I have found out, is more about experience than efficiency. There is always going to be a faster, better way to do something, but that's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily make it the best way to do it. For example, you can microwave dinner. You can pop something in the microwave and microwave dinner and have something to eat. Or you can slow roast a chicken and eat that with vegetables for dinner and then take that carcass and slow cook it all day long the next day with some vegetable scraps from your dinner and make it into broth that your family will use for another meal. Um, It's really about valuing the experience rather than getting it done quickly and and when you do that you begin to be more present in what you're doing you really begin to soak in the smell of that chicken and the texture of the vegetables and the richness of that broth and the moisture of the meat 
and just all those things. Whereas when you eat a microwave meal, you tend to just wolf it down and move on. And so it's it's really about valuing the experience of doing the thing as much as the thing itself. And so there is therapy in kneading bread. There is therapy in pulling weeds and planting things. Um, so... Some examples of old-fashioned skills that you could learn would be making homemade bread. Um, There is a huge group of people who do sourdough. I have not been able to master that. I've tried it several times, and it's it's just not in my repertoire. And I've learned that not all homesteaders have to do all things. And so that's something I've let go of. But yeast bread is something that I'm fairly comfortable with. And... It's not something that I do often, but when I do it, it's because it's an enjoyable thing to do. I'm enjoying the process and and the procedure of mixing the flour and the water and the yeast and kneading it by hand and shaping the dough and watching it rise and baking it in the oven and enjoying it while it's hot and fresh and so it's a whole experience it's not a task to just cross off my list and make bread um the same with canning i really have enjoyed this year making pickles for the most part um i did try some bucket pickles that honestly by the end of it we called them crying pickles because they were attached sentimentally to my husband's grandmother and her recipe and his growing up and so they were very sentimental and all the people in his family who ate them were about in tears because it was such a special thing but I was also about in tears because it was such a with long drawn out very involved process that it was kind of stressful so but overall I loved making things um, and canning them and being able to share them with family and them go, wow, I've never had this before. Or this is amazing. I can't believe you made this. And to be able to look in my little front closet in my living room and see jars lined up full of things that I've made for my family to eat through the winter is just such a satisfying experience. Um, you can also learn to do handmade goods. And that could be anything from soap to clothing to woodworking anything where it it's more about appreciating quality over quantity it's about learning the process and again being present in the experience of creating something and marveling at the workmanship and and the design and the style of what you're doing um so some people make soap from their goat's milk from goats that they raise some people will raise alpacas and take that fleece from the alpacas and turn it and make yarn that they either sell to fiber artists or they use themselves to knit things or crochet things for their family Um, some people like to work with their with wood 
and to do things like that. Other people may do embroidery or cross stitching or any of those types of things. And not only is it enjoyable, but it's it's fruitful. It builds um, character. It builds concentration skills. It gives you things that aren't just something from Target that will eventually end up at Goodwill, but it's something that could possibly be passed down from generation to generation through your family. And so it's about even learning to adapt and make do with something rather than going and buying new. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to make homemade something and you need a particular ingredient that you don't have and so you tweak your recipe and you make it a little bit different because you don't have that but you do have this other thing that you can use. It may be about building a chicken coop from reclaimed materials or building your raised beds from reclaimed materials. Um, there's a lot of resourcefulness that comes with homesteading. Uh, and again, it's that lifestyle um, perspective of making do and using what you have to its fullest benefit rather than just jumping in the car and going to Lowe's and buying something new. So, number three, learn old-fashioned skills. Last but not least, let's talk about animals. Every good homestead has some animals, right? There are... Um, many possibilities for animals when you have a homestead. You could raise pigs or chickens or goats or horses or cows or guineas or um, rabbits or chickens or quail. Um, I've probably repeated myself at this point. Um, there's just lots and lots of different options. But when you are in a neighborhood, it's a little bit different. And so the first thing you need to do is find out if you are in a neighborhood that has an HOA, does your neighborhood have provisions for backyard chickens? Some of them will specifically prohibit them. Some of them will specifically have parameters around which you can have this many. You can't have roosters. They have to be, they can't be free range. They have to be within your fenced yard and those kinds of things. So number one would be to check out your HOA's provisions. We're fortunate that we live in a neighborhood with no HOA. And so we're able to do whatever with our chickens. Um, however, even just a little ways up the road from us, if we're, if we were in the town limits of our town, the town has regulations. Um, about chickens it, within the town limits. So be sure to check um, your HOA regulations if you are in an HOA and also your local town ordinances if you're within the city limits of a, of a town so that you know what is required of you as a chicken owner before you make any kind of investment. Chickens are the easiest thing to raise in your backyard. Um, and I will go back and say that if there's nothing specifically prohibited in your HOA, make an appeal to the board and 
keep them on the up and up from the beginning. Go with go to them with a proposal and say, I'd like to have this many hens. I don't plan to have roosters. I'm going to keep them in a run. That run will be enclosed in my backyard with a fence and da da da. And you probably will be okay if there's not already an ordinance in place. But again, I highly encourage you to get all that lined up with your town and with your HOA before you make any kind of investment. And then, um, like I said, chickens are one of the easiest things to raise for homestead. It's, it's considered the gateway animal (laughs) to homesteading. You start with chickens and then you, you broaden out into other things. And so chickens are fairly easy to keep up with once you have a place set up for them where they are not um, prone to predators and you are able to feed them and give them water in a place that they have a little bit of shelter from wind and rain and they have a coop to sleep in at night and a place to lay eggs that's really all they need Um, you will find in the chicken community that there are a lot of people who treat them the way they treat their pets um, where they are family members and they go way over the top helping that animal with every little thing Um, and if you're new to chicken raising that can feel overwhelming and it can feel required but if you look at it as these animals work for me and they're doing a job for me my job is to keep them alive and healthy and their job is to pay their rent by producing me some eggs um that that helps to simplify things a lot and if you think of it in terms of would grandma's chickens have needed this um that question has helped me quite a lot in understanding what is and isn't required with our chickens and also what if you are able to have chickens um, even if you cannot get a rooster you can get hatching eggs that you can purchase from other local farms and you can purchase an incubator and you can incubate those eggs to hatch and raise the chicks and then sell the chicks and chicks usually you can raise in your in your garage Um, so that would be another way that you could expand the business of your homestead or the the um, money side of your homestead even if all that does is pay for the feed that you're feeding your other chickens Um, another thing to consider would be rabbits rabbits are a typical pet that most HOAs won't object to and you can easily have two or three rabbits on a fairly small piece of property um, and a fairly small um, setup and you can breed rabbits specifically to sell for pets for people or you can raise meat rabbits and sell those and allow your customers to do the processing of the meat Um, and on top of that you can collect the poop and sell the poop as fertilizer um, or use it yourself in your own garden so I really hope that today's episode has shown you different ways that you can begin to homestead now 
Have you considered being a homesteader? I'm guessing that if you're still listening to this podcast series, that um, homesteading is at least of some interest to you, even if it's just a curiosity. So I hope that today you've learned some ways that you can become a homesteader right where you are. As always, I'd love for you to join me on Instagram where we can continue the conversation. And you can join me next week where we'll start to unpack some of these things that we've been talking about today in more detail. See you next week. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. If you're inspired by what you've heard today, the best compliment you can give me is to share the Funky Farm Girl with your friends. You can stay connected by following the Funky Farm Girl on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until we meet again next week, remember to bloom where you're planted.